ho ho hello folks, and welcome back to the festive fireside of the Great Library of Dreams. Come on in, I've got the fire roaring, and there's food and a drink aplenty. Well, you join us tonight for the second of our ghost stories for Christmas, and tonight I have a little tale by a good friend of mine, Mr Mark Damien Lawler. It's entitled Holly, and you can find it, and you can find it in the anthology he edited, Christmas Under the Covers, which is out now, and features a selection of new tales of terror for the festive season by various new writers. And it also includes a tale by myself too. So do go check that out. Anyhow, dear friends, if you'd like to take your place by the fireside, we'll hear a little festive tale set in the heart of the Lake District. And there's a definite chill in the air. Holly. By Mark Damien Lawler. Grasmere, Westmoreland, 1959. She was curled up in the fetal position at exactly the same spot. He felt crazy for thinking it, but had time reversed itself, sent him back to when they first met. Then he spotted his missing glove on the path and knew it was a continuation of their strange meeting, not a chilling chance to start all over again. Something creamy white caught his eye. He edged closer to get a better look and saw a maggot crawling on her earlobe. Then he saw one dangling from her nostril and another peeking out of the corner of her blue lips. She was waiting for him to retrieve his glove. It was her cue to come to life. So when he picked it up and backed away, as a wise man would from a wounded animal, she opened her eyes, gooey and bloodshot, and sat up. At last someone stopped. I've been here for... I don't know how long. Can you help me, please? I did help you. Don't you remember? I carried you all the way down and rang for an ambulance. You couldn't have? By God, I did, I tell you. I did. He thought he could handle seeing her again, but he was wrong. Now she looked bereft of life, and it made all the difference. Please don't go. I'll die if you do. You're already dead. I'm sorry, but you are. I don't know if you died in my arms or if you were dead when I found you, but... She screamed as if her insides were being eaten by invisible vultures. He turned on his heel and ran for his life. He heard footsteps running after him, catching up to him, but he dared not look back. That's when he tumbled over the edge. Or was he pushed? Three hours back. He was only fifty feet from the top when he heard her cry for help. He realised he had heard it before, about halfway up, 
Bud had mistaken it for the cry of the peregrine falcon which was circling overhead. She wasn't hard to find. Indeed, it was as if she were waiting for him on the path. Her left leg was badly broken, a compound fracture of the tibia, but despite the open wound, there was remarkably little blood shed. However, her white duffel coat had a glossy reddish-brown stain on the left lapel. At last, someone has stopped. I've been here for... I don't know how long. She had a light Liverpool accent. People passed by, almost stepped on me in their hurry to keep moving, without acknowledging my presence. He could see the appeal in such a selfish act. It was going to be a big time drain on his day. Nevertheless, he was too nice a person not to make himself available to her. Santa sees how kind you are. I shall kiss you when this is all over. It was bitterly cold, so his blushing brought a welcome warmth to his cheeks. He was seventeen and inexperienced in matters of the heart, so was susceptible to flirtatious behaviour. He unscrewed his water bottle and asked if she was thirsty. She said she was, but only swallowed a sip. I'm Holly Wilkinson, here with my parents until the new year. We're staying at the Swan. Do you know it? Yes, I know it well. There's an excellent view of Helm's Crag from there. Is that the one the locals call the Lion and the Lamb? That's right. I was gazing at it this morning, out of the bedroom window. Seems like a lifetime ago now. I know how that feels. When I was twelve, I got lost in Swildon's Hole. It felt like I was down there for a week. But when I was found, the rescuers said I'd only be missing for five hours. Were there bats? Yes, up among the stalactites. I wouldn't have liked to be stuck underneath them. I suppose, in a strange sort of way, you were lucky to have your accident here. There's plenty of fresh air and nice birds to look at. God, what a silly thing to say, he thought. But she didn't seem to mind. One of them landed on my head and pecked at my hair, and then went to sleep over there. She pointed to a flat rock, on top of which lay a dead starling. I think I hit my head, because I feel... She closed her eyes and frowned. I don't know. Woozy is the best way I can describe it. What about your leg? It must be hurting terribly. No, not in the slightest. A warning bell jangled in his head. That could very well mean she had a spinal cord injury. I'll go back down as fast as I can and ring for an ambulance. They'll contact the mountain rescue team. It'll probably take a couple of hours before they get here, but I'll come back up and, and keep you company. I'd prefer it if you carried me down. I don't want to cause a fuss or keep my parents in the dark any longer than is absolutely necessary. But, don't worry, if I'm injured any more than I am now, I'll take complete responsibility for it. I promise. He crouched down and placed his right arm around her waist, and his left underneath her legs. She intertwined her fingers around the back of his neck. When he lifted her, he expected her to cry out in pain, but she didn't make a sound. In fact, he couldn't even hear her breathing. There was a fusty odour about her. He put it down to her probably having wet herself, and certainly didn't ask her about it, as it would have caused her unnecessary embarrassment. In fact, they didn't talk at all on the way down. He was busy watching where he placed his feet, making sure not to step too close to the edge, and she slept or rested her eyes. The hardest part of the descent was through the forested hillside. The tree roots which had snaked their way across the path long ago were out of sight beneath a carpet of snow. 
He noticed footprints, rabbit, fox and deer, and his size 10 boots heading up to Olcock Tarn, and, inadvertently, to Holly. When clear of the trees, they arrived at a fork in the path. The left led to the upper terrain of the Coffin Route, the path used in medieval times to carry the dead to the consecrated ground at St Oswald's. To the right, down the hill to Dove Cottage, and the telephone box on the main road. You know my name, but I don't know yours, she remarked as they turned left at the cottage. I'm Michael Cornish, from Abbey Gate in Kent. Where are you staying? Over there, he pointed to the Daffodil Hotel, a short way down the opposite side of the road. When I'm out of hospital, I'd like for us to meet up. Let's say the 27th, around 7pm in the bar at the Swan. My parents will want to meet you, probably buy you a drink to say thank you. Then I'll make them go away. We'll have the rest of the evening together. Michael agreed, and even went as far to start thinking about what he'd buy her as a Christmas present. He laid her carefully down on the bench beside the telephone box. Not only Christmas Eve, she said. It's my birthday too. Happy birthday. Thank you. They kissed. Her lips were cold. He supposed his were too. Michael walked the short distance to the phone box, as if in a dream. When he removed his right glove to dial 999, he noticed his left glove was missing. Which service do you require? Ambulance, please. One moment while I connect you. He turned to smile at her, but the bench was bare. Holly was not there. She had vanished. Hand shaking, he hung up and leaned against the glass. It didn't take long for the truth to hit him. She was physically incapable of taking off by herself. No car had pulled up. There were no footprints on the path, apart from his own. He rang the operator and asked to be put through to the swan. I'd like to speak to Mr Wilkinson, please. It's regarding his daughter Holly. There was a meaningful pause. If you have information regarding the disappearance of Holly Wilkinson, you should ring the police station at Ambleside. I'd rather speak to her father or mother, if I may. I'm sorry, but you can't. Not on this number. Mr and Mrs Wilkinson have not stayed with us since the disappearance of their daughter ten years ago. He sat down on the bench. The snow started to melt. So did a little of his sanity. A few locals trampled by, and a school party sang carols as they waited for the bus to Keswick to arrive on the other side of the road. Lucky people he thought. He called home, wishing his parents a happy Christmas, then started on his way back up to Holly. In 1969, 20 years after the disappearance of Holly, her parents paid for a tombstone to be set at the head of an empty grave in St James's Cemetery, Liverpool. The inscription reads, In loving memory of Holly Wilkinson, born Christmas Eve 1929. Disappeared Christmas Eve, 1949. We shall find you in the grey summer garden, amid the rain-wet roses, stir of wings, and the morning hills behind you. A year later, when the cemetery was undergoing its conversion to a public garden, workmen disturbed the area around her tombstone, and the ground caved in, revealing two skeletons in the earth below. The female skeleton 
had a fractured skull and a bad break of the left tibia. The male skeleton had a broken neck. A forensic dentist identified them as Holly Wilkinson and Michael Cornish. This podcast was produced by Mr. Jim Moon with music from the Eldritch Light Orchestra. If you enjoyed this show, please consider leaving us a review or a rating so other people can find it. If you really like the show, consider buying us a coffee at coffee.com slash hypnagoria or becoming a Patreon at patreon.com slash hypnagoria where subscribers can get exclusive new shows every month and access the Patreon's only podcasting vault. For more nonsense, call into our site 
hypnagoria.com, where you can find all manner of essays and articles on the weird and the wonderful, plus my other podcasts, plus links to YouTube and all the usual social media gubbins. This has been a great Library of Dreams production. 